Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. Just such a blessing this morning. And of course, I get to go come to both services and both song services just lifted me so much that I can preach for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best arguments for bad singing you can imagine, isn't it? Oh, just just wonderful. Well, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, For those of you who uh, haven't heard me preach before, um, that's okay. We're going to ruin that for you today. Um, But it's so good to be back at Greenville Oaks, uh, to be here, to know that uh, Wade and Heather have been with you and that uh, they like you and you like them and they're off uh, vacating a little bit, studying some, um, getting ready to re-engage. It's great. And uh, you look, um, you look like, great folks. It's a pleasure to get to come and preach here. I enjoyed preaching here in the interim before Wade came, and um, it was a great blessing, great blessing to meet you. So today, uh, we get to put another coat of paint on this. It's an interesting day, things going on in the world. Um, I have had in my life the opportunity to be in Rostov on Don uh, in, in southern Russia. Uh, there's a bridge there that if you are on one side of it, you're in Europe, and if you cross it, you're in Asia. And so that's the only time I've ever been to Asia uh, in Rostov. And I've, I've worshiped there with the Christians in Rostov. And I have been um, in Moscow and walked around in the Kremlin grounds and uh, been uh, to the Sea of Azov, uh, right there at the Black Sea, and look across into the Ukraine. In uh, university in Abilene, we used to have an annual ministry of gathering up, uh, especially supplies for the diabetics. Uh, In the Ukraine, we had a nurse that every summer took her vacation and went to do ministry among the the diabetics in Donetsk in the Ukraine. So we prayed regularly for those in the Ukraine. So today it's been interesting to to think of the Lord God uh, spreading his love over all those people, people in various shades of conflict and peace and loving all of them and and for them to be sharing in the same uh, bread and and drink that we have had this morning and worshiping the God who cares for them. We we praise God for being with our brothers and sisters today. And even as we pray for peace, we know that God is with them when it's not much like 
peace at all. Uh, this has been a, a, a good year, uh, sort of, for us. Uh, for Annette, my wife, is here. She's uh, a great delight. We've been married 50 years as of last August. Uh, it's very nice. All of this is for you. Uh, it's been, been, uh, been good. Every day was just perfect. Uh, and other stories we won't tell. But it's also an interesting other anniversary for me because um, in 1963, uh, in this Will Rogers Auditorium in Fort Worth, Texas, during a gospel meeting where a fellow named Willard Collins was preaching, I was 11 years old, and at that point, I decided to be baptized. I think it was a Wednesday night down there on the floor of the Will Rogers Coliseum. They had brought in a stock tank there for the baptistry. And after not many choruses of Just As I Am, uh, I went forward and, and my dad, who was the preacher that I grew up with, my dad baptized me that night. And I remember what it was like being in that water. And I remember thinking, well, if I die tonight, I'll go to heaven. And, uh, well, I didn't <laughs> die that night. The, the heaven thing, well, we'll see. But it was a really special night. I, I wasn't baptized just because everybody else was. I was 11, but, but I was a fairly... Like, I kind of had a feeling that I was not a good boy. Because being the preacher's kid that I was, being the firstborn preacher's kid that I was, I, I knew all the books of the Bible and all the cuss words, and I could make things rhyme. Um, and that got to be a problem. Anyway, uh, I could be convicted in good preaching of being less than I should be. And so my 11-year-old heart and my 11-year-old brain were baptized that night. Uh, today, we get to preach a text that has to do with baptism. It's, uh, it's out of the, the long list, the three-year cycle of, of sermon texts, reading texts, called the lectionary. It is the lectionary reading from the letters for this Sunday. And so while people all over the world are reading this text and preaching from this text, we're going to also. So let me uh, read this piece from Romans chapter six. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may increase? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed so we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For those of us who've been coming to church for very long, we've heard this text. And we have heard this often as we have thought about our own response to Jesus. And if you are a person who has been baptized into Christ, you know what it's like to sit and think about that. And, and maybe you're wondering why Paul, who's talking here to Roman Christians, wants to take them back to their water birth. Why is he taking them back to their baptism to talk to them about how they are relating to the Roman world that's just outside their doors and the choices they could make and the, the temptations that are all around? Why doesn't he just tell them, y'all be good? Y'all just think about Jesus and be good. And he will say some of that. He'll say it in remarkable ways. But, but in this case, in this moment, he wants to say, I want to take you back to the water. It's a good thing to do right here in the argument he's making in Romans. Romans is a good statement. He starts off by saying some good things. He says, I'm writing to you uh, about the obedience of faith. I'm writing to you about the gospel. I'm writing to you about salvation that is by faith, from faith to faith, a righteousness from God by faith. And then after talking about this gift of God, he says, and you need it. And you need it. He starts off in chapter two saying that the, the Gentiles and most of the Romans are Gentiles. There's some Jewish folks there probably. But, but a lot of them are Gentiles. And he says the Gentiles have basically traded the worship of God for the worship of stuff God made. Instead of worshiping God, they worship the, the moon. Instead of worshiping God, they worship the, the, the sea. Instead of worshiping God, they worship some human-like person, Jupiter or Mercury or Mars or something like that or money, or power, or a Caesar could set himself up to be the one worshiped. The confession that 
the Caesars would ask of the, the people would be that people would say, you are Dominus et Deus. You are Lord and God. So he says, you've traded the worship of the creator for the created things. And that gets you in a dark part of the world. But then he goes on in chapter two and he says, but those of you who are out of Jewish extraction, you who follow the law, who say you're a lot better than the Gentiles, you, you've got a problem too, because you've got a law and you know it, but you don't keep it. And anytime you break any part of the law, you're guilty of breaking all the law. So the situation is in the world, there's two kinds of people. You know, there's two kinds of people, right? The kinds of people that think there are two kinds of people and the kind of people who don't. But in this case, the two kinds of people are the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In chapter three, verse 23. But then he says in Romans four, there is a way though. There is a way. There is a way of salvation by faith, where faith is counted as righteousness. And he gives us the example of Abraham. Abraham, a man of faith, before the law, before the cross. In this wonderful example in Genesis, of a man whose faith is counted as righteousness. And so now with this marvelous mechanism of salvation by grace through faith, Jesus comes into the world as the sacrifice for sin. And the beginning of chapter five is that we now have peace with God through Christ. That now we have hope. Now we have trust that even in our, our troubles, God is working us toward more hope and more character and more love, love that is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And about half past chapter five, he says, there's two ways that you can go about this life. There's the Adam way. Adam, the one who by one act of disobedience brought sin and death into the world. Or the Jesus way. And the Jesus way is by his one act of obedience, not disobedience as in Adam, but of obedience, he brings life into the world. And, and so you have this end of chapter five, verse 19, for just as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so through the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. But law came in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so grace might also reign through justification, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, now we've studied Romans. But Paul imagines that somebody raises their hand in the back of the room and goes, I got an idea. You're going to love it. I got an idea. Since God is so rich in grace and where there is sin, grace exceeds the sin. Why don't we sin more and get more grace? This sounds sort of like 
a 13-year-old boy thought this up. <laughs> With due respect to all the 13-year-old boys. Paul says, by no means. And for those Greek folks, they would have read that and went, whoa. Because he uses the strongest negative you can say in Greek. Like, no, 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 a thousand times no, no. And he goes, don't, don't, don't you know what's going on here? And here's where he takes them back to the water. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized with Christ were baptized into his death? We were joined with him in his death. We were buried with him in baptism. We were raised with him. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember when you were in the water? Don't you remember, it was hot, it was cold, it was running, it was still. Each one of us here, let's go back to the water. Let's go back to our own water. Stand there in that water, in your summer camp cutoffs or your, 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 your weird polyon gown from upstairs uh, in, in, in the stream with the minister or your, or your friend or... You remember how it was. You remember. Some people I've baptized remember that I went ahead of them and picked all the bugs out of the water and threw them out. You remember. And, and maybe you remember what you thought before you went in the water. Maybe, did you have a prayer like Jesus had in the garden. Did you have a prayer? Is there any other way, Lord? Did you have a prayer like in the garden? Do I need to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I? I mean, who wants to? But we have this sense that maybe baptism is kind of like the Sabbath, that we're not made for baptism. Baptism is made for us. It is God's gift to us. A gift to our, our brokenness, a gift to our faithfulness, a gift to our newness. And, and so, so while we have asked must we do this? At some point we have said, not my will, but yours be done. And we've gone to the water. Not my will, but yours be done. And we've gone to the water. And there in the water, we have said, here I am willing to leave Adam behind and his life. I'm willing to leave the darkness. I'm willing to leave the emptiness, I am willing to stop doing this on my own or in the fellowship 
of what is evil, I am willing to lay it all down in this water with Jesus. And maybe we remember that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that that what he preached to people, the gospel, what he preached as of first importance was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That this event that was an event in the life of God, that God experienced, that now this God-experienced event is one that I'm going to experience with God. The God who let his son be killed, buried, and raised is now going to let me join Christ in being buried, dead, I've always thought when you baptize somebody, you ought to leave them down just a little while. (laughs) There have been some people I've baptized that I've thought the only chance they may have of going to heaven is if I just leave them down. If I let them up, there's going to be trouble. But he lets us up. He lets us up by the power of the Spirit. He lets us up forgiven. He lets us up in newness of life. He lets us up and says, now your relationship to the darkness and to what's evil and what might tempt your flesh, that begins to be different now. It'd be nice if it just flipped off like a switch. It doesn't do that. But in our hearts and in the righteousness that God gives us credit for, we are raised pure. And Paul takes them back to the water so they'll remember that. Where this past week have you needed to be taken back to the water? Have there been any moments where it would have been good if you could have remembered the water? That a part of you that was acting alive needed to be deader. That a part of you that was acting alive needed to be buriedder. That you needed to remember that the part of you that's been raised has been forgiven and spirit infused in the light. Has there been a time when you needed to remember the water? There's a sense in which you see that we're all meant to live wet. Like the the Jews that crossed the Red Sea were never supposed to forget the walls of water and the dry land that every breath they took would be a, 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 a breath shaped by the Red Sea. In the same way, all of us, all of our lives, 
even now, 60 years past the horse trough. We're called to live wet. May it be so. God bless. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you so much for being here. Annette, both of you guys, thank you. Uh, let's stand as we close this morning. As you leave today, may that moment in the water be so much more than that. May our life be a manifestation of his love and his grace and his mercy for all. And may the world know who he is by how we live and how we love. God bless you all. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.